0: Hello and welcome to the Thursday edition of Unqualified Analysis. We are your hosts, Zach and Caleb, and today we've got a packed show, actually, for y'all. We're gonna talk all of Week 16 of the NFL. Didn't get to that on Tuesday. We went full college, so we're getting to all of Week 16, both recaps and quick picks. And, of course, with that, we gotta start talking about the playoff picture. Things are heating up. There's only two more games left in a regular season, so... We're gonna see how our teams are faring, and uh, spoiler on that, both of our teams are kind of in the shit when it comes to the. Boys. Not awesome. No. Not awesome. Not at, at least all. it's warm. At least it's warm here for Christmas, you know. At least to start the show, we're gonna talk about some CDC guidelines. First, I want to give a disclaimer, though. As we mentioned last week, we both been uh pretty busy. I mean, you know, Christmas time, you guys are all busy as well. We appreciate those of y'all who listen to us during the holiday season. On my side, however, I am currently dog-sitting, and because of that, you will probably hear more barking than usual. I know sometimes you do hear barking in the background, but this time it will be a little more amplified. You might
1: get special guests Ludo and Olive at some point in the podcast. In fact, I, could, I would almost bet money that they're going to make an appearance at some point.
0: Yeah, that's very possible. Maybe even a little bit of Chester, if you guys are lucky, the little kitty cat.
1: Just a little bit. He's a good fat little boy, I'll tell you what.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. With that, let's go ahead and get into it. The big news, this was actually just broken earlier today on Tuesday. Uh, the NFL is going to work on getting in line with the CDC guidelines.
1: The CDC lowered their uh, minimum recommended isolation period from 10 days to uh, 5 days of isolation, followed by 5 days of masking but still still around uh, other people which is huge for sports leagues because like we were just talking about in the NFL they just codified it into uh players can come back now after 5 days whether they're vaccinated or not huge because unvaccinated players were out 10 days no matter what and you know all those players can come back after 5 days no matter what and in the NBA I mean they've been getting absolutely hammered this is yeah. going to help out so many people so it's not going to be Jimmy from Rucker Park going one-on-one against uh, John from your local YMCA on national TV on Christmas Day. I think that'll probably help everyone. Unfortunately, NHL probably shit out of luck because they have like five teams in Canada and they are just like clamping, clamping on that international travel right now. This is huge for basically everyone, especially right now going into winter where I think the NFL just set another record today as we were recording, like over a hundred players got placed on the COVID list. I think that was actually on Monday correction, but I mean this this Omicron variant is sweeping through basically every sports league and uh this this uh modification comes at a, a big time for everyone, I think.
0: Yeah, I know that for the weekend there were so many COVID announcements that happened even between the podcast and the games, and that's only like a mm-hmm. three day stretch. Like I know um, like Austin Eckler and Mike Williams, as well as a few others for the Chargers, went on COVID. I know Taysom Hill and um Trevor Josh Shanahan Johnson went on. Did we'll Josh, talk about Josh Johnson. I didn't realize Josh Johnson went on COVID. He at least played the others. No, no, no. Josh Johnson
1: Josh Johnson didn't get on COVID. I'm just saying he started we didn't we Oh, uh, you right, recorded right. yeah. We recorded before Huntley got COVID. So That's like. right,
0: that's right. Huntley went on COVID. Um yeah. We'll talk
1: about that in a little bit though.
0: But like We talked about this a little bit off cast, but I feel like if things keep going the way they are, this will be one of the flukiest NBA championships. Like people can talk all they want about the bubble season or even last season a little bit, but I think this one is going to be even crazier just because the NBA is really catching the brunt of it. So it's leading to a lot of rough starts for a lot of teams where really the only two teams that are shining right now are like the Suns and the warriors. Like every other team has been putting out, as you said, Jimmy and John from the YMCA.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And like, I don't know like how it's going to shape out there. I just know, like, I feel like the Miami heat are going to be a team to watch throughout the rest of the season. Cause I feel like they're the most, they're like the new England Patriots sort of, of the, uh, the NBA without all the championships pretty much. I mean, not to say that they don't have, like, a bunch of championships because they do in the grand scheme of things. But, like, the the real real point here is, like, they have a whole, like, militant type of regimented sort of thing where I feel like they can really implement some COVID protocols better than a lot of teams, even being down in Miami. Whereas, you know, players or teams coming into town might have a little bit less discipline than them already. So I feel like that's a team that really you have to watch down the stretch with all these – uh Covid positives, but yeah, this uh this five day isolation period will definitely help. Uh, yeah, some of these players, some of these players have been incredible. The Suns (laughs) are um
0: starting to get hit pretty hard by like DeAndre Ayton Mm -hmm. just went onto the Covid list I think today, so this will have an immediate impact for them. I assume they're going to put in the five day limit pretty soon, if not tonight.
1: I think like even even though with the NBA, they'll probably implement it quickly. I would imagine. I mean, I could. Yeah, because you're losing point, out on
0: four or five games if you have to be out for ten days.
1: The NBA, more than maybe any other league, has really followed the the old thing like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna follow mainly like what the experts are telling us, which is like basically just code for what are the CDC guidelines. We're just gonna build around that, and so I would anticipate pretty quick motion on all these because that's like yeah. that the NBA is really just the only one that said it. Even the NFL and basically like every major league is basing their protocols off of what the CDC recommends. So, like, yeah, hopefully hopefully we'll get a a little bit more uh, quality games down the stretch. But, yeah, I cannot iterate enough. Miami, uh, probably one of the more disciplined teams in the league. Look for the Spurs as well, always with uh, Greg Popovich there, someone you got to watch in these sorts of situations with uh, crazy amounts of adversity everywhere.
0: Let's go ahead and get into the... NFL season, however, go ahead and start with week 16 Thursday night football. We had the 49ers versus Titans. This game went pretty much exactly how we didn't expect it to go. I mean, there was just about no running in this game. I think there were a total hundred yards from either side. Neither team could really get a whole lot going. But meanwhile, the two wide receiver ones for either team just lit it up. I mean, Debo Samuel, he had almost 200 all-purpose yards. AJ Brown had 150 yards and a touchdown. This game was not at all, not at all what we expected.
1: I totally thought the 49ers were gonna win this one. That just goes to show. Can't really uh can't really predict anything with Jimmy G is the quarterback. But hey, with his uh chip thumb, I think said I think I heard Ian Rappaport saying something about that. Might be uh might be Trey Lance's time to shine going forward. We'll have to see what happens there.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it would be a little rash right now while they're still very much in a playoff hunt. Jimmy James. I'm not, even, I'm not saying performance
1: wise. I'm saying like he's got like a legit injury. Like he's got like a ligament tear, he's oh, got a chip in saying? his thumb. Yeah, yeah, like it's a it's a legit type of injury. So he yeah. may sit out for like maybe the rest of the regular season here just to get him rested up for the playoffs i mean i can't imagine that if there's even like a sliver of hope that he'll he'll play i mean he's gonna try and play i mean that's the the that's the
0: thing about the nfl though you know everyone's banged up now like kyler murray's Mm. hurt jackson's
1: hurt to varying degrees yeah
0: right i mean aaron Rodgers is probably hurt you know like everyone's injured at some in some shape but, like, the question is, will Jimmy G in this form be better off than a fully healthy Trey Lance? Because we did get to see some Trey Lance, and right now he is not the guy. Like, he needs some time to develop, and I think that Jimmy G's probably a better option moving forward. It was a bad game for him, as he did have two interceptions, one of which basically sealed the win for the Titans. But he was good in the first four or five games of this little stretch that they went on, so... They are looking pretty good for the playoffs, and I think they probably need to keep moving forward with them and just pray to whatever higher deity they believe in that they can make it through unscathed.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, if Jimmy G is, like, healthy enough to go, I think you do start him just because at this point, the team is what it is. If you can get into the playoffs, I feel like Jimmy G, his lows aren't quite as low as what Trey Lance presents sometimes. Exactly. Um, while his highs aren't quite as high, his, his lows will keep you in the game at the very least with the defensive line that they have, with the, the offensive line, with uh, Trent Williams at tackle over there being an absolute beast over there after he uh, rid himself of the stink of that Washington team. And, uh, of course, Debo Samuel and George Cheadle out there. So, okay, like- okay.
0: That, that's my question, though. So, if you have Trey Lance in the backfield instead of Jimmy G, you can probably mm. load the box a little more. I mean – Trey Lance definitely scrambles more than Jimmy G does. You can't trust his arm as much as Jimmy G. He might make some bigger throws, but he's going to miss a lot more. And if you load the box more, then that's going to end up kind of hurting some of that production that you're getting out of Jeff Wilson and Debo Samuel on the ground, which is so valuable and has been so, so good for this 49ers team.
1: Yeah, that's true. And like the big thing that we really just don't know is how is he progressing with like, the reads in the offense with his accuracy, with his mechanics. Because, I mean, obviously, when we saw him earlier this season, he had a long way to go. So, I mean, those aren't really questions that will be answered until we see him. And honestly, how the season is going right now with Jimmy G's injury status right now, it might be best just to sit him out a week, anyways, just to kind of like let him rest and see, see just what, how, get a little progress check going on uh, what Trey mm-hmm. Lance is doing. I mean, maybe not, maybe not commit to him starting the rest of the way, just like, you know. Get a little uh get a little update on like how we progressed since the last time we seen them.
0: For what it's worth, I think if they win next week, they basically clinched getting the getting a playoff spot. Yeah, I knew um, they were close. And if they win next week, I think they clinched not getting the seventh spot. So I I think ultimately like you have to consider whether getting a six versus seven seed is valuable. Personally, I don't think it will be because either way you're gonna have to play two away games. So maybe you can take that as like a mini buy. We can kind of steal one away and get a progress check on Trey Lance and hope Jimmy G doesn't get too banged up off of it too. So I think there are avenues to go with that. Let's go ahead and get to a team who is on their way to the number one and true buy spot. So maybe two buys in a row. We do have the Packers. The big thing that I have here for the Packers versus Browns is I am starting to get worried about the Packers not putting in a bigger show because as we saw with a Cowboys game, they just completely blew an inferior opponent out the water in this game. They beat the Browns by two points and it took four interceptions out of Baker Mayfield to barely beat them. They barely beat a Ravens team. That's been very weak. They barely beat a Steelers team. Are you worried at all that they're not really like, they're not really putting together these complete performances that they once were.
1: I'm, I'm worried about, the defense particularly as far as it comes with uh, stopping the run. I mean, they haven't changed a whole lot from last year as far as I'm concerned. As far as like the personnel that's there, they didn't really upgrade what they had. And last year they got to the the NFC Championship game. I mean, credit, they got Devondre Campbell there. He's been a monster. But basically like what they have there got lit up for... 170, 180 yards before contact last year. So I mean, they didn't seem to really have changed that. Uh Nick Chubb seemed to have taken advantage of that with seven and a half yards per carry in this one, 126 yards. But like I you, you gotta hope at least that Aaron Rodgers will carry at the end of the day. I'm not sure that's a strategy that's gonna win you a Super Bowl, but this year in Lambeau, with all the COVID attrition and all the chaos that's happening, it feels like I mean, they're going to have as good a shot as anyone to get there with the home field advantage they possess at that building.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that they are probably the best team in the NFC right now. Um, I think the Cowboys are definitely making a run to possibly usurp them there. They don't
1: want to see the Cowboys, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, That's that's the team right there.
0: I I think that the Cowboys are possibly the most complete team in the NFC, but like Dak plus Amari Cooper isn't the same Mm -hmm. as... Aaron Rodgers, and Devonte Adams. And that's I think true. that's the big thing. But when you have that front seven with Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence, and... Micah Parsons. When you have those three and you have Trayvon Diggs in the backfield, that's a scary defense to go up against. And if you're the Packers and going up against that defense, as opposed to a Browns defense that's been pretty mediocre in this mid-stretch, I would be very worried. But I do have to give credit to Rodgers and Devontae Adams because they put on a show combining for 114 receiving yards and getting Devontae Adams two touchdowns to carry this game. So Mm -hmm. at least they are closing out these games, which is what great teams do.
1: Yeah. Also, they got the record in this one. Rodgers had a hell of a day. He uh, broke the franchise record for uh, touchdown passes. Then later broke the record for uh, touchdown passes for a duo in franchise history between QB and receiver with uh, Devontae Adams and uh, Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, hey, hell of a day there. They barely won, though. I mean, you got to be a little concerned about that. I will cut them a little bit of slack, though, because Miles Garrett's an absolute animal. The Green Bay Packers offensive line is really depleted. They need Bakhtiari back bad. I mean, it's been long overdue at this point, so hopefully get him back soon. But, uh, I mean... It's one of those that I guess you just kind of escape from. It was at home. At the end of the day, at least you won. Uh, just get to next week and get to the postseason. At the end of the day, with home field advantage, that's all
0: you can really ask for. Um, we were talking earlier about how everyone's banged up. Baker Mayfield is another prime example of that because he's dealing with that that limp shoulder, the bad knees, and he's, all the stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's basically just a younger Big Ben the right club now. Foot. Just,
1: Just collecting everything, right? Um, The gimp arm, like, you know, everything.
0: Right. So, I mean, (laughs) this obviously wasn't his best performance. I do think that he is playing into getting a mediocre contract. I think that he could come back to Cleveland. I mean, he has been probably their best quarterback in two decades, at least since Bill Belichick was there in 96 or so he could come back but i don't think he's going to garner more than the 30 million plus that people keep pushing up like i don't think he's going to get the kind of money that like Matt Ryan was getting what 3 4 years ago when he mm-hmm. pushed the bar up for example
1: yeah no i feel like mid 20s is going to be the uh, the range he ends up in that's about the range for a a, a mid level qb so like that's that's probably about what he's going to end up getting and you can build a team around that at the very least i've heard it before that you know Average is hard to find in the NFL, and he is, he's certainly perfectly average. The problem with that is you need, like, everything perfect around him, and when the top receiver is, I mean, you love Jarvis Landry, but when the second receiver is Donovan Peoples-Jones, and David Njoku is, I guess, the third, but you don't ever really use him, I mean, it's not a very dynamic offense. Nick Chubb is the only one that's really getting any, Austin, any yards.
0: Austin Hooper.
1: Yeah, Austin Austin Hooper, that is that is very true. He, I guess he is the number one tight end. David and man he, that's a he's guy. injured
0: though so that's that's like why he's not coming to mind right or maybe yeah. he has covid he's he's been out for a few games though so he hasn't been a factor for them in a few weeks but i mean that's a totally good point right like getting average is very hard to find you find these teams that just kick a decent quarterback to the curb and they struggle so much i mean shit the jaguars were doing pretty solid with um Blake Bortles they even went to a championship game and the second that they decide they were going to go in a new direction try to get an actual franchise quarterback, things just went downhill. And now here they are having a first overall quarterback trying to rebuild things. And it's not even guaranteed when you get that first overall pick, right? I mean, for Joe Burrow, it's working out in the second season. But with Trevor Lawrence, things are not going well now. So... For the Browns, I I don't know. I feel like you have to be okay bringing Baker back and just maybe build up that offensive line. Maybe get some secondary in there and become a <laughs> defensive team again. How much How much more can they build up the offensive line? They have like three or
1: four Pro Bowlers. <laughs> like geez. clearly, they need <laughs> more to, though,
0: right? I, I you know, guess the pocket presence is the, the question to hear, right? Like for Baker, I mean, you do need to build yeah. up that defense though. I mean, you've got Miles yeah. Garrett who might be one of the best. Defensive players in the league, and I think they have like Joe Hayden back there. um They have another. That's the, that's the weirdest
1: thing. I mean, they they're had a really top ten. Defense.
0: That's why. Yeah, that that's probably it. They're top
1: ten in pretty much all the major categories, which I actually didn't know. They're 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 a solid unit. It just feels like they're really boom or bust sometimes. They have a lot of really really good pieces, but it feels like they should be like the best unit in the league. It just doesn't always doesn't always click sometimes. But I will say the one thing that would keep Baker Mayfield from coming back to the Browns is if one of those dumbass organizations, you know the names, might shell out a huge contract for him, in which case, I'm not paying I'm not paying Baker Mayfield thirty million a year. I'm letting him walk if he gets that sort of offer from from anybody. So that's really the only way I see him leaving town. Other than that, I mean he hasn't really played his way into a massive contract, so It feels like advantageous for all parties to just go with a mid-level contract. Uh, Get more help on the wide receivers, I think. Get some some weapons out there on the outside, especially since OBJ just really never worked out for you.
0: Yeah, let's go to a pair of teams who have actually basically clinched spots. The Cardinals have clinched their spot as currently the fifth seed, how the mighty have fallen. And the Colts have not technically clinched a spot, but they are definitely favorites to get a spot they could still win their division. The Titans versus Colts is one of the hottest divisional races that we have right now. The Colts ended up beating the Cardinals in this one, which is what we expected. This was a very complete performance out of the Colts' offense as Jonathan Taylor did what Jonathan Taylor does. He ran for over 100 yards. He had a touchdown. And Carson Wentz was pretty good in this one. I mean, He didn't burn you on anything, but he did have a good 200 yards. He had two touchdowns. He did what was needed, and I think that's really a big credit to Frank Reich. He might get coach of the year, to be honest.
1: Yeah, and that's the beauty of having Jonathan Taylor on your team. You don't need Carson Wentz to go out there and make, like, crazy-ass plays to keep you in the game like he was really being asked to do all the time with the Eagles. I mean, now, with Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, you just have to not shoot the team in the foot make enough passes to get first downs, get some good shot plays to keep the defense honest so they can't just load the box on you. That's all you really need to do. And just doing that, you throw 28 times, get two touchdowns, have an efficient day with no turnovers. And I mean, that's again, really all you need. If you have no turnovers with Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, you're going to win most of the time. And I mean, this Cardinals team, can you think of, like, a team that has fallen more in our minds as far as playoff contention down the stretch here? I mean, they have just been falling apart here lately. Cliff Kingsbury has been just killing them, I feel like. The
0: Cardinals are basically the complete opposite of the Patriots, whereas the Patriots might stumble out the gate, but then just completely burn you through October, November, and December. The Cardinals started off really hot, 7-0 and to start, and they've now lost, I believe... Five of their last eight, three straight games after this. So, you know, they're fucking seven and five right now. Uh, or sorry, ten and five right now. Um, When it comes to Cliff Kingsbury, he's probably a good enough coach to keep his job for a few more years. I mean, they do have a winning record. They're guaranteed yeah. to be in the playoffs at least. But you do have to think that a lot of this is on Kyler Murray being great, having a really good scrimmage running back in James Conner, and really Chase Edmonds and James Conner together are a really good duo. You have DeAndre Hopkins, who's one of the best wide receivers in the league, and you have a defense that sometimes makes plays. But I am concerned that he's not really altering his game plan he kind of sticks to the same things that were working at the beginning of the season Mm. and the good teams that end up winning the Super Bowl get better as the season goes along whereas it feels like these guys are staying stagnant that really comes down to Cliff in my mind
1: it feels like the Cardinals have just been really vanilla and Cliff has just been like all right Kyler let's go do some crazy shit and make this offense work today buddy let's do it and like there's not a whole lot of like schematic creativity. I know we've, we've been over it before, but it really does just feel like Kyler making shit happen with regular ass short of, sort of like air raid scheme sort of passing plays with a few run plays sprinkled in there. It doesn't feel like there's any sort of like flow or continuity. There's not a whole lot of creative schemes or anything like that that you see with, with the Packers, with the Rams, with um, the 49ers, people like that. So... I, it's hard to see Cliff Kingsbury sticking around there for too long. I guess he's earned at least another year after this one. But, man, you got to think, like, if someone like like maybe like a Matt LaFleur was available to coach this team, don't you think they would drop Cliff Kingsbury in a heartbeat? I mean, I know there's obviously not anyone out there like, right that, like that right now, but it feels like they're like one guy away from just saying, see you, Cliff, we found somebody else.
0: Shit, I would go so far as to say is if you had Kevin Stefanski coaching this team and he's not coaching That's, a great team right now, yeah. but I bet that team probably has at least 11 or 12 wins and is looking for at least the divisional win, right? Like they had it under luck. They had beaten the Rams early in the season. Um, I believe they like basically dominated that game. It wasn't even close. Uh, they won the second game against the Rams too, I think. And they (laughs) now, like, the Rams I think that was the last
1: quality win they had. Yeah, like, (laughs) the
0: Rams now own the division when they were behind the entire time, and things are just not looking good here. I mean, if you had a different coach, like a Kevin Stefanski, Sean Payton, Matt LaFleur, right, any of those coaches, you get at least another win or two. I do think that Cliff Kingsbury is... If he survives, it's going to have a legacy similar to like Mike McCarthy with Aaron Rodgers where you're going to think that it was probably the quarterback that carried the coach and it wasn't the coach being inventive and carrying the quarterback. It wasn't as much like the Saints, for example, where it's Sean Payton and Drew Brees working together or Belichick and Brady working together.
1: Yeah, I feel like Cliff Kingsbury's lasting legacy is just going to be like, damn, that dude was sexy, but he could not call an offense. I'll tell you what, man, but he was... He had a beautiful house, and god damn, he had a gorgeous face.
0: 1 o'clock NFL, Ravens versus Bengals went exactly as I expected it to. Well, Josh Johnson started. Um, we didn't realize that that was going to happen, yeah. so that I didn't know, but I did Everything
1: know. went according to plan.
0: <laughs> Before we get to Josh Johnson, I want to shout out my boy Joe Burrow. 525 passing yards in this game. Franchise record fourth most all time and people were worried that he was only throwing for 150 200 yards that he couldn't complete passes that he couldn't get the ball downfield
1: if they were if they were worried about uh him getting the ball down the field uh the guy leads the league in yards per attempt and uh, interceptions uh the dude's fucking slinging it so get that shit out of your mind dude is a fucking insane qb probably the best qb in the NFC North, in my opinion, at this point. I mean, Lamar Jackson's had a great season, but this guy absolutely lit the team on fire. And he's tied for first in completion percentage, too, with, I mean, surprisingly, too. I guess he throws a lot of short passes. But, uh, I mean, he's been absolutely lighting the league on fire this year, and uh, the Ravens' defense was not ready. Uh, also doesn't help when you're quarterbacked by Josh Johnson on the other side, right? Other side, right?
0: Yeah, I'm hoping that Lamar Jackson Tyler only come back so that Josh Johnson can get onto another practice squad. Maybe he can play for another team next week. He can play for a fourth team the week after that. Maybe some playoff teams will start picking him up. He can be the designated COVID reliever, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. what's the record for the most amount of teams that you've played on in a season? Probably I don't know. He's pushing it. He's got to be pushing it. (laughs) So, let's get the number up to seven. Shit, he can start the Super Bowl, man. He'll be the greatest backup quarterback of all time if he does...
1: Yeah, I mean, fuck it. We got enough time. Got two more weeks of the season. Ravens put him on the practice squad so another team can sign him. Someone can sign yep. him up to their uh, active roster when someone inevitably gets COVID. He can start next week, do the same thing the following week. Someone signs him to their playoff roster. Boom, starter gets COVID or gets hurt. He starts to the playoff, gets a Super Bowl, rides off into the sun- sunset as a Super Bowl winning quarterback at the age of, 37 going on, 52 with his 35th team. I mean, really an inspiring sort of story. This guy's head, this guy's fucking journey has been head spinning at the end of the day. I mean, I, I don't want to go down the entire list, but it, it's really lengthy. Let me, I'll just tell you that
0: much. What I do know is he probably has a spot in New Orleans if he decides to take his services there. I mean, Ian Book wasn't the most inspiring last night. And I think that uh, he's I think they'll take him in right a heartbeat. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's go ahead and get into your boys, though. We have the Rams versus the Vikings. This game also went about as I expected. I mean, the Vikings are that team that... I feel like they play everyone tough. But the problem is they play everyone tough, right? Like, I mean, lost to the Lions, unfortunately. Did keep it close against the Rams. But ultimately, the Rams had a little too much start power. Kirk hasn't really faced this kind of a pass rush. So Aaron Donald was able to just feast on him. And... Matt Stafford was able to do just enough to eat them over the finish line.
1: Yeah, pretty much, and I really th- – this game wasn't on TV. I wasn't really able to, to watch a whole lot of it, but uh, seemed like a pretty, pretty typical game from my boy Kirk. Uh, classic. I think he had just over 300 yards, uh, one TD. Uh, he started the day off by throwing an interception in the end zone. I mean, granted, K.J. Osborne has to catch that one, but, I mean, it was thrown – way behind him then didn't get a passing TD until we were already down 27 to 13 just kind of filled in the stat sheet in between there so I mean yeah this was this is pretty typical type of heartbreaking Vikings football at the end of the day but I do want to highlight Aaron Donald because I feel like he's having quietly I mean if you can call the best defensive player in the league like quiet at any point in time like one of his best seasons in the league so far he's on pace to get possibly his uh 20th uh or no, his fourth season of 20 plus tackles for loss, which would tie him with JJ Watt for the uh, most all time since the stat was recorded. So, I mean, fucking crazy. He's got 12 sacks right now. So, by the time it's all said and done, he's probably going to end up having the most sacks since his fucking monster 2018 year when he had 20. So, this guy absolutely destroyed us the other day. And uh, yeah, this is kind of exactly what we thought would happen,
0: right? Yeah. What. I did kind of feel it was coming. You and I talked about this a little bit. Um after two weeks ago's game when Daryl Henderson was out. I said, you see how Sony Michelle's being used? Watch it. Daryl Henderson might get benched here. And I think that's going to happen. I mean, Cam Akers is coming back from what's a borderline historic recovery of the Achilles. So I there's no way that he's actually ready. But Sony Michelle is taking the Bell Cow now. He's kind of pushing Daryl Henderson to maybe a scat-back kind of role for them, which it's a shame from a fantasy football team, but I'm out of the playoffs anyway. Daryl Henderson has been serviceable, but he hasn't been great. I mean, he's been getting a lot of solid games, but he hasn't really hit over 100 yards. Meanwhile, Sony Michelle, in just his second game starting, had over 130 rushing yards. I mean, this is the perfect role for him. Just don't pass him the ball. Maybe just keep him between yeah. the tackles.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe pass Daryl Henderson the ball a couple times. I feel like that might get a little bit obvious very quickly, but I feel like he's given him some juice in the run game that Daryl Henderson just really hasn't in the whole time this season. So, I mean, Daryl Henderson really, you saw in this game, relegated to backup role. He got one touch the entire game. So, uh, yeah, it was one of those things where Sony Michel's probably going to carry the load. I'm interested to see how uh, Cam Akers does when he gets back. Uh, Like you were saying with the Achilles injury, it is very soon for that. You're going to want to ease him back, especially at the running back position where, I mean, you're making hard cuts all the time if you're any sort of productive. So, I mean, I feel like they're probably going to end up slotting him into that backup role, though. I feel like they're really just kind of relegating Daryl Henderson more and more over these past couple weeks.
0: Yeah, I mean, Daryl Henderson came in as a surprise starter when Cam Akers went down with that Achilles tear, so... There's probably not a whole lot of love lost. It's not like having like Dalvin Cook going out and then having Alexander Madison starting and then saying, okay, Dalvin Cook, we're just going to kick you through the curb, right? It's not quite the same gravitas. I do want to give Anthony Barr some props. He was one of the first draft picks that I saw the Vikings make that has like really worked out for y'all. He's been a steady presence in the linebacker role, and he had a couple picks in this game, which really helped kind of cement this into a close game, really kind of keep the Vikings afloat against a very potent Rams team otherwise.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like his contributions really helped keep us in the game. I feel like just the way the the Rams special teams were playing, the way the offense was moving, outside of Matt Stafford, of course. I mean, really, Anthony Barr was the main reason why Matt Stafford had so much problems because I feel like he was, he was seeing ghosts all day with Anthony Barr there. I mean, two interceptions seven total tackles. I think he had the, uh, yeah, those two passes defense. So, I mean, it was a game where the defense kept us in it. I did like what I saw outside of Kirk Cousins on the offense though. I mean, the running backs, it is what it is. I mean, three yards per carry, you're facing Aaron Donald up the middle, which he, in the game where he was just in rare form, three tackles for loss a sack. So, I mean, it is what it is there. But uh, out on the outside, you got Adam Thielen back from, uh, I don't remember exactly what the injury was, maybe a hamstring or something like that. But he had three catches for 40 yards. KJ Osborne's really stepping up in his second year to where he's become like a really viable third option. Sometimes the second when Adam Thielen isn't really feeling himself. And I mean, Justin Jefferson's just doing what he does. I think this is the uh, six times he's topped 100 yards and seven receptions this year. So I mean, if we can get a QB that will push the ball down the field a little bit more, I would actually be happy with that. I mean, I know I've gone on for a long time here, but I did hear this today. Like, I really like. It really made me think a little bit. um, What if like the Vikings switched uh, QBs with the with the Browns? So we had Baker Mayfield next year. They had Kirk Cousins. I feel like that's interesting. Like, I don't think Baker Mayfield is actually a better QB than Kirk Cousins but I feel like he's, he fits this team better because he will push the ball down the field. And we have some absolute like animals on the outside that will take advantage of more of those jump balls that he likes to throw when he's healthy, of course.
0: Yeah, and meanwhile, shit, the Browns probably beat the Packers if they have Kirk Cousins throwing less than four interceptions. I mean, yeah. really all they needed was one big pass at the end of that final drive to win the game for them. So
1: Hell, if they just give the ball to... They just give the ball to Nick Chubb like 25 times instead of the 17 they gave him. I feel like there's a good chance they still win it, you know?
0: Right. Let's go ahead and get into the Bills versus Patriots, though. Just a few weeks ago, we thought the Bills season might be over. The Patriots might be Super Bowl contenders. And yet again, we were wrong. The Bills are back in the divisional lead. Um, I did think that the Bills were going to win this one. I mean, the Bills are too good to get swept by the Patriots. And... I do have concerns about Mac Jones' durability, just he hasn't played a season this long. Um, He's not, like, injured per se, but he definitely still needs some growth. So he's not really going to carry the team like Josh Allen's going to be able to do. And it kind of showed here because they had to lean on Damian Harris a lot.
1: Yeah, I'm just getting uh, the notification right now. We should probably talk about it, though. Uh, John Madden just passed away.
0: Oh, it's a damn shame. John Madden? Yeah, that's a... We are going to hold a moment of silence for, uh, for you.
1: In the arms of an angel, fly away from here. Yeah, I'm done with that. But yeah. You know what? Rest in peace to a legend, man. That guy.
0: I played your video games for like five years. 2011, really started 2010 making me my... were the best games.
1: It started making me angry after a while, but you know what? After, after uh, many years of uh, going into adulthood, I would say, I think when I was a kid, I didn't appreciate you enough for your uh, your humor on the cast. But as an adult, I feel like I would really like to see a, uh, a John Madden out there just like saying random shit into the microphone because some of his exchanges with, uh, with Al Michaels over the years where he just said something ridiculous and Al Michaels was just like, well, yeah, John, we're just golden i mean i'm gonna miss the hell out of that guy he was kind of on his last legs he kind of saw this coming i'm glad that i'm glad that he w- he was able to get this uh this special the john madden special out there before his death but uh yeah we lost a great one today it's unfortunate
0: one of my favorite quotes by him i'm sure i'm gonna butcher it because it's so absurd is don't worry about the horse being loaded just hit the wagon
1: no, it's if don't worry about the horse being blind. Just load the wagon. That's I remember what it is. that don't one.
0: Don't <laughs> worry, worry about the horse being blind. Just load the wagon. To which I say, yes, I don't think anyone actually rides in a wagon with a horse unless you're like Amish. But
1: Also, okay. another amazing quote from John Madden. The offensive linemen are just the biggest, strongest guys in the field. And you that's why so. the offensive linemen are just the biggest, strongest guys in the field. And that really certainly applies to... Trent Brown, who was helping out Damian Harris for the uh, the Patriots here. I mean, he 5.7 yards per carry, three TDs over 100 yards. They were moving the ball on offense as far as the run game is concerned. But when Mac Jones is throwing 14 for 32 for, you know, 4.5 yards per attempt, not really going to win a whole lot of those games, you would think.
0: Yeah, I mean – that, that's exactly what I'm saying, though, right? Like, Mac Jones is hitting that wall, it seems, where this is the second loss in a row, I believe. Right? Second loss in a row for them. Yeah, I think so. Um, they had the division lead under wraps, basically. They just had to kind of finish out business. But all of a sudden, you have to be a little worried about how deep in the playoffs they can go with this. Um, If you're the Patriots, I mean... I feel like anyone would take even like eight and nine in a heartbeat, considering they had a quarterback come in who's not the most physically gifted quarterback, but is definitely very well thought of cerebrally. I do think that the features is bright, but I am thinking the Patriots probably lose their first or second game in the playoffs when it's said and done.
1: Yeah, at this point, I think the best thing that they can hope for is they get a uh, a dome team on the road or they go down to um the Bucks. I think the Bucks are, are slotted to win the the NFC South this year, right? Yes,
0: they they won the NFC South after beating the Panthers. It, it didn't even matter what the Saints did.
1: I feel like if they go to a warm weather city where they can kind of like have have better weather for Mac Jones because I mean, he does have a bit of a uh, a weaker arm than, you know, the usual type of quarterbacks that you get in there. Uh, I feel like they can get some success, maybe catch someone off guard, but I don't feel as strongly as I did before. I do feel like they can front run, run like a son of a bitch, though, with Damian Harris, that three-headed monster back there with um, Ramondre Stevenson, uh, Brandon Bolden back there as well. If they get a lead, they can hold it. It's just the problem. If they get behind with someone like Josh Allen on the other side, it's really hard to uh, come back for them with Mac Jones as the QB as a rookie anyways. I feel like as he gets a little bit older, more mature, uh, gets a little bit uh, more wisdom in there, he's going to find ways to work around it. Just right now, it's just, you know, the de- the defensive coordinators uh, have forgotten more football than he ever knew.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this team's just not really built to win games from behind, right? Like, you and I love teams that are built around having a solid run and a good defense That's one of the better ways that you can build a team, in our opinions. But the fact of the matter is, that's not a team that's going to burn you in the fourth quarter traditionally. I mean, if you get behind, then it's going to struggle a little bit for you. Meanwhile, for the Bills, I mean, you've got Josh Allen, who was an MVP candidate entering the season, has been very good as of late as well, with Stephon Diggs, who I believe is, yes, is a Pro Bowl starter at that It's going to be hard to compete with that, especially when uh, it's not snowing, what, at like 40, 50 miles an hour, and you can actually throw the ball with some degree of success.
1: Right, right. And I mean, I feel like the Bills going into the playoffs, I don't really know what to feel about them. Like, they're a team that... Like, they've they've run well at times. I feel like Josh Allen, I guess, has shown he's the best running option. I'm not sure how sustainable that model is going forward, but I feel like they've also shown at times that they can beat some of the best teams in the league. It's just a matter of which team shows up on a given Sunday. I feel like statistically they have the best defense in the league, and they have one of the better offenses in the league. just a matter of both of those units showing up at the same time, I feel. It's been inconsistent all year and it all it takes is showing up against one team in the playoffs and having one bad day, and you're going home for the summer.
0: Yeah, I do think that they're one of the better teams in the league. I don't think that they are the Super Bowl favorites. I think that probably has to go to the Chiefs at this point. I do think they're probably as good as the Colts or the Titans, but their team is so different that it's really hard to compare the three teams to well to each other as far as the bills versus the titans and colts i do think the titans and colts are very reminiscent of one another which means it would be a little inter it'll be more interesting to see them in the playoffs against each other but before we get into that too too much let's go ahead and wrap this up as we've got the lions versus the falcons to start
1: hold on before we move on to the next one we do have to draw attention to the greatest moment of the game outside of the actual play I mean, the real star in the receiving core for the Bills. I mean, Isaiah McKenzie did have over 100 receiving yards. Shout out to him. But uh, Stefan Diggs, after catching a touchdown in, I think it was, I can't remember if it was the, I mean, it, it was at some point in the game. The point is he caught a touchdown, went up to the first row in, I think it was, I want to say, yeah, they're, they're at home. So, you know, it's it's their home fans. He says, you, 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 you. To some uh, Foxborough fans, suck my dick.
0: Nice. <laughs> my Very dick. nice.
1: I I love Stefan Diggs so much. I honestly wish that uh, Mike Zimmer would have uh, let him stick around a little bit longer, let him be be himself a little bit more. Because, man, that guy, I would run through a wall for that guy. <laughs>
0: I always love when you have that kind of banter going on. I mean, it just makes the game better. It's why I hate the taunting rules, right? Like, you love to see people celebrating in the goofiest ways, saying some bullshit. As long as you're not being offensive to people, then in, you're and fine. In a,
1: sport, in a sport that's, like, all violence, I feel like Even you have so. to have a bit of, like, animosity between the opposing fans and the players on the field. Like, as long as it doesn't go to, like, racism- bigotry homophobia stuff like that i feel like it's all like fair game like it's all just like about like creativity without harsh you can be without being like a completely terrible person right that that that's part of the the fun of sports especially football in my opinion is the give and take between the uh the players and the opposing fans so i absolutely love this and i expect the fans on the other side to say uh come back and say suck my fucking dick as well i mean it's it's one of those it's one of those things where i just love to see it all the way around it. I mean, the Bills are going to bring that no matter what, and you know the fucking Patriots are. I mean, fucking Boston.
0: I want to go ahead and get to the Lions-Falcons game, though. Um, we've been having some great discussion on this, but I want to make sure everyone gets their due diligence. Um, I don't want to talk about the Lions-Falcons too much because both of these teams are gross, especially because the Lions started both. Tim Boyle. Um, yeah, he he's a quarterback, and he certainly passed in this game. Uh, I think the bigger story is Amon Ross St. Brown. I feel like he's a good piece for Dan Campbell to build something around. I mean, he's got just under 600 receiving yards on a season. So it's not out, sorry, just under 700 yards, I believe, actually for the season. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that he can hit 800. He did have 91 plus a touchdown in this game. So things are looking good for this young rookie. That being said, it was the Falcons and it was Alliance, so not exactly a uh, high-billing game, I would say.
1: These are the teams that the Falcons have been bolstering their resume on all season when you look at it. When they face teams that are over 500, they've been getting fucking waxed all damn year. Tim Boyle, I still don't know how he's an NFL quarterback. I mean, he went to UConn, wasn't good at UConn. I don't know if he got drafted or not. I think he just spent like one year behind Aaron Rodgers with uh, Matt LaFleur there. And I guess someone thought that he got touched by fairy dust and he just ended up starting at different places. Because that worked for Matt Flynn, right? Exactly, yeah. I mean, Matt Flynn, he's been an all-pro quarterback ever since, I think. And, uh, you know, Ricky Stanzi, Scott Tolzien. I mean, the list just goes on and on there. I mean, Jordan loves. I guess that's – that's yet to be seen. Not not looking great so far. I think that they should just bring in Equinimia St. Brown as well. Just bring in the entire family. Just have a, a starting five wide receivers just of the Saint Brown family. Especially with the crazy ass names in that family. I feel like the more you can get on one team, just if no for no other reason than just to uh to challenge the announcers, if nothing else. I feel like it's it's better for everyone.
0: Maybe they should bring in Philip Rivers, get all his kids in there too, and they can make a Rivers and St. Brown team out of all those players. I th- I think that would be quite a spectacle.
1: I mean that's true. I mean if you wait long enough, you might be able to get a full like fifty three man roster of the Rivers family.
0: I do want to point out that Dan Campbell was a little perplexing here. In the grand scheme of things, it didn't matter that much, but he did kick the field goal from the eight yard line when Four. he could have gone for the touchdown. To be fair, they did get a fumble off the Falcons and then got intercepted, so they did have a chance. But also, why do you have to blue ball the whole city of Detroit like that? Like, just go for the touchdown, and maybe you can stop them at the 8-yard line instead of at the 25-yard line and get the ball back in a decent spot regardless. Uh, In the grand scheme of things, getting a field goal when you're down 7 points means nothing because you're still going to need a touchdown.
1: Yeah, I feel like sometimes this is probably one of those situations where it's like, I mean, paralysis by analysis probably isn't the right terminology because you didn't make a decision. It was just like the wrong one. I just feel like you kind of overcomplicated the decision at the end of the day and just kind of thought yourself into a logical hole that didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Sometimes you just got to kind of do what makes sense for for the win at the end of the day. Honestly, I don't have a whole lot of context for this one because it was the Lions-Falcons, and I've been hanging out with family all weekend. I haven't really watched a whole lot of football in general, but I got to give credit where credit is due, though. Dan Campbell has taken an abjectly terrible roster, and they've started to really, I mean, they played teams tough all year, but they're really starting to play really, really close to teams, winning a couple games, so better than I thought they would be at least.
0: Let's go ahead and move into a couple more bottom dwellers, though. I feel like we talked too much about these two teams. Let's talk about the Jaguars-Jets, who... Yeah. Much, better, been, uh, been much been. better matchup, right? Of course. Um, of course. At least I like the Jets more than I like either the Lions or the Falcons, so I've got that going there. But this was still a pretty bad game. <laughs> I mean, the only real play of note was Zach Wilson's run for 50 yards. It, it seems like some Jaguars took some bad angles and then once they realized that i i think it was a cornerback took a bad angle everyone else was just like yeah fuck it that dude's way too fast
1: i mean bobby sala got a win from his couch i mean that's the way to do it right here i mean this is uh kind of an, an ugly matchup at the end of the day there's a little bit of good news a little bit of bad news uh starting with the bad news just get that out of the way here james robinson he just got freed from the clutches of urban meyer what like a week and a half ago Uh, Yeah, he just tore his Achilles, so he'll be out for the year. And uh, keep in mind, Etienne, he did tear his uh, ACL in the preseason, but he's coming back on his rookie deal. James Robinson's going to be in his final deal, making, I think, just under a million dollars. They can cut ties with James Robinson like that in the offseason if they want to. This may be the last time we've seen him in a Jaguars uniform. But for the hilarious news, I mean... Did you watch this Zach Wilson 52-yard touchdown run, man?
0: <laughs> I did. I also explained it, like, just a minute ago.
1: I, I know, man, but it's just fucking the entire Jaguars defense. The entire defense just gave up, dude. Like, man, that's if that doesn't speak to the, a bad culture in the building, I don't know what does. It's just a, a whole mess down there in Jacksonville.
0: I mean, maybe at this point the ownership's just like, hey, you guys just need to start tanking, and maybe we'll give out some incentives or something. I don't, I don't know if that's illegal, but I feel like that's the way to go about it because at this point, the season's lost. Even without Urban Meyer, you can't seem to win, so it doesn't matter if you get one or two more wins when you can just get the first overall pick and just either deal it for an inordinate amount of picks or decide if you want to get like Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau. I mean you might as well, right? Like winning a game against the Jets proves nothing for you. So might as well I mean, shit, just earlier this season they saw uh Derrick Henry and they just all backed away from him. So this isn't even the first time this has happened.
1: <laughs> that, that I forgot about that one. Thank you for bringing that up and giving me something to laugh about. Just the, right. I I love a good reason to talk about that one, man. Just the way that they all just collectively decided without any real words, like, I do not get paid enough for this shit. I mean, <laughs> one of the funniest things I've ever seen on a football field. Oh, yeah. I feel like we've already spent too much time on this game. Now. Let's move <laughs> on to a game that's way better than even that. The Eagles-Giants, all right? Eagles won by... 24 and hey congrats Joe Judge you get another year before you're inevitably fired by the next GM I mean update your resume and uh, get another gig in line my fellow uh, Mississippi State alum because it's not going to be long now still
0: yeah this has to be one of the longer lame duck periods that a coach and a quarterback are going to have you have two more weeks to prove yourself And I mean, if you don't make the playoffs next year, you are out of a job at this point. I think they probably should have just cut ties with Joe Judge anyway, and then bring in a quarterback in the next draft, get Daniel Jones just doing his thing so that you can protect your rookie quarterback and hopefully build the team up to, you know, maybe not destroy the knees of your next quarterback. Hopefully get a line so that if you get a generational talent at running back again, you don't instantly destroy them within a year or two yeah joe judge i'm sorry you seem like you were kind of likable at the beginning but it's really just not working for you you probably need to go get a coaching job in college which i think is where he came from uh actually no he was a receivers nah, he, coach for like the patriots wasn't he yeah,
1: i think he's special teams coordinator or something like that for the patriots,
0: yeah so. he maybe he, co- in the he future, coaches like young. a politic
1: disciple basically is the best way to describe it
0: Yeah, he's young, so he'll have another opportunity, but I do think that you uh, need—you got a little too close to the sun with this job. And I mean, the Giants job is just a horrible job to take anyway.
1: Yeah, and he's got a style where it's just like, if you don't win, there's going to be a lot of calls for for your job. I mean, the fact that he's survived this long is honestly a miracle in and of itself. It's probably only due to the fact that they had uh, Dave Gettleman in there for so long. But the only defense I can really make of this move to keep Joe Judge around is that the QB class this year isn't great. I mean, outside of that, I mean, maybe they maybe they see the the QB class of the following season as something that's a little bit better. But that's also not something you can necessarily bank on. I feel like I don't know. You're just holding back the franchise by by keeping some people around that I feel like you're just gonna get rid of anyways.
0: As far as the quarterbacks that are in this game, though, sure. um. I don't know why I ever thought Jake Fromm was the future. I I guess I got blinded by the fact that Georgia was doing really well. Um, And I guess I thought Kirby Smart was rational for starting Jake Fromm when he had Justin Fields at the same time. But Jake Fromm is not good, man. He threw 30% almost through one interception somehow Mike Lennon was better than him. This this just was not vindicating at all.
1: I mean, the dude had a robust 1.5 yards per attempt. He was just poo-poo, terabad. Right. And never forget that Kirby Smart cho- chose Jake Fromm over uh, uh, Justin Fields. If you are ever, as a QB, as a QB recruit, if I can reach any of you, all all one, maybe two of you listening to this right now, uh, don't go to Kirby smart because he does not know what he's doing with yeah, go to QBs. Baton Rouge. I mean I can't I can't really make that endorsement either if i'm if I'm looking out for their best interest I would say Mike leach I'd say more than half of his starters ever have been drafted just a stat to throw out there to you but uh, either way we've been <laughs> derailing uh Jake okay 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 just,
0: real quick though no I can't let you sign with that. <laughs> Which of his quarterbacks are actually doing well in the NFL?
1: They've all been drafted. That's not the point. That's not the. Tommy point. Stevens
0: the, isn't even playing no, no, quarterback no, 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 right no. now. Hey,
1: now hey. That's not the point. The point is they they all got drafted. They all got paid.
0: <laughs> Will Rogers. Will Rogers. I don't think is going to work on the NFL as much as. No, I think we love what he's though. doing. I think and he'll get the thing drafted. Is if you get I don't drafted, think
1: if you get drafted, you earn millions of dollars at the end of the day, which is a win for Jay everybody. Frum
0: got drafted. Yeah, Jake Fromm did And we're talking about too. him right now. Now his career is basically over. Is Two Stetson starts in. Bennett, is Stetson Bennett going to get
1: drafted? I Probably, yeah. Gonna... I think so. I don't think so, man.
0: I, I think mean, he's going to be it like it a might... fourth or fifth.
1: I don't think he's going to end up doing anything. I wouldn't draft him if I were drafted.
0: Dude, if Daniel I've Jones can get drafted <laughs> with a 16 overall pick, I think Stetson Bennett can get drafted in the fifth round.
1: I don't know, man. Stetson Bennett is one of those like generic McWiderson type of people that might just like go into an interview and one of those like super hoity-toity white GMs are just blown away by him. Just like I gotta take that guy. Like I think that was kind of what happened with uh, Tim Tebow back in the day. It's basically what happened with Daniel Jones, where Dave Gettleman looked at Daniel Jones and saw an NFL quarterback. Um, yeah, but anyways, we've really, really <laughs> derailed a couple times here. You disrespected.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> We've really derailed a couple times here. On to the news that's really important. Big man TD alert. Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson scoring one for all of those guys who have a little bit of athleticism, but it's hard to convince people because they have no abs whatsoever. He caught a five-yard TD pass. I think it was the only, or actually it was one of two TD passes by Jalen Hurts in the entire game. Just really winning over the hearts and minds of the people here, Zach
0: proud to be a part of this generation it's truly the big man year right now everyone's getting the touchdown pass it's great I mean what was it just last week I think it was Christian Wilkins maybe had the uh the dolphin out of water the the worm going dance I'd love to see more of that let's go ahead though get to the Buccaneers versus Panthers um not a great game I mean Buccaneers win hooray uh, as far as the Panthers, oh, and also the Buccaneers did clinch the NFC South. So congrats to them. Uh, as far as the Panthers are concerned, though, Matt Rule's really showing how obvious it is that he was a, co- a college coach first, because I feel like the two quarterback system can sometimes work in college. But the thing is that when everyone is of an equal athleticism in the NFL, it doesn't work, especially when your two options are Sam Darnold and Cam Newton. Dude, you just have to stick to a quarterback. Just, just go the whole game with them. I mean, is Sam Darnold really a better option than Cam Newton right now?
1: I think he at least doesn't have a complete noodle arm. He does make some some plays sometimes where you're just like, what the fuck are you even thinking? But I feel like he brings like enough production in the running game while also having a much better arm than Cam Newton at this juncture this of his career. Where you might as well just stick with them, but ultimately, yeah, they they combine into one bad QB. They threw for under fifty percent, two hundred forty yards, no TDs. Like uh, Matt Rule, it's one of those things with, with college uh, coaches. They don't really trans- transfer over well. I feel like because you're a dictator in college, and when you're a dictator, I feel like you're not getting questioned a whole lot. You're not modifying. You're not modifying your processes a whole lot and improving. And, uh, I don't know, it feels like this happens way too often. Sometime, one of these these uh, GMs is going to learn, one of these owners is going to learn, you can't keep going down to the college ranks to uh, get some of these coaches anymore. It just hasn't really
0: been. Yeah. They have to at least have some NFL experience. That's why, like, I think, like, Joe Brady could work That's out. That's the
1: thing. I think Matt Rule had, like, NFL experience before he went down to college. So, it feels like this should have been one that, that work, worked out. And, I mean, he's still to got be a fair, job though,
0: To be fair, though, Pete Carroll worked out, and he was largely a college guy. I mean, Chip Kelly worked out for a little while. He also got
1: Russell Wilson, though. That's the thing. Right. You need need an elite QB to to stay alive sometimes. I mean, it's better to be lucky than good, right?
0: Right. As far as the Buccaneers are concerned, I mean, they were hit by the injury bug we talked about a little bit ago. They have a duo of Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn, which... uh, not a great choice. Uh, Ronald Jones is uh, on his way out, probably. He only had about three yards per carry and a touchdown. At least he didn't fumble this game. Keyshawn Vaughn did yeah. have uh, 10 yards per carry, but he also did have one rush for 55 yards. which kind of bloated those numbers. So... You're going to have to rely on Tom Brady plus that front seven, which I don't think is going to be enough for the Buccaneers when you have to play against probably both the Cowboys and the Packers. But at least for the Buccaneers, you're in the top four in the playoffs. I mean, coming into this year, though, I feel like
1: the Buccaneers were one of those teams you thought like for sure they were going to be a Super Bowl contender, but I don't know. they're, They're eight and seven right now at the end of the day. They're like they're like barely above average. The Buccaneers, wise. So, yeah, the record. I mean, the Buccaneers.
0: I'm pretty sure, right? They're no. They have 11 wins. 11 wins. 11 hell, what the four. hell was I? Look, what
1: the hell was I looking at? Yeah, there.
0: they're the. Fucking. Yeah, I think they're the third seed.
1: Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that, but either, either way, uh, that fucking run game was uh, not not awesome in this one. Good enough to win at the end of the day, though. I mean, the Panthers aren't necessarily the greatest team in the world. I worry about the Buccaneers going into the playoffs, though. I mean, you have Tom Brady at the end of the day, but uh, it feels like there's not a whole lot going for them in the run game. Leonard Fournette is banged up. Uh, we're just gonna have to see how it goes down the stretch here.
0: Yeah, let's go ahead and get to the Chargers Texans. You just gotta bury this tape, like what the fuck, guys? The Texans are so bad, and if you guys want to compete, you gotta beat these teams. Like, what are you what guys? Fuck, what were you guys thinking? This
1: was supposed to be a layup game. And then you gave up 41 to the Texans. Uh, The Chargers will just always be the Chargers, won't they? It's just one of those things where they will always have some sort of confusing loss that you have no idea how they have on a given week. Credit to Davis Mills, though. I mean, that neck gives him quite the reach on the head to see over that line really make the reads. He's really dicing teams up out there.
0: Yeah. Also, a shout out to Rex Burkett. I didn't realize he was still making NFL rosters, but... He uh basically doubled his yardage total with this game. 149 rushing yards and two touchdowns. So props to him. Uh as far as the tax or as far as the chargers are concerned, though, I mean, if you guys win this game, you're basically a lock for the playoffs. But now they're fighting for that seven seed, which is like a four way tie at this point. It's gonna be rough for them. Let's go ahead and get to our four o'clock games though. Broncos vs. Raiders. I'm very disappointed in this game. It was a very defense-heavy game. I was hoping that between Drew Locke and Derek Carr, there would be a bunch of gunslingers, a lot of points scored, maybe like double the points, but also a few interceptions. Very disappointing.
1: Man, this game, obviously a very, very defensive game at the end of the day. Drew Locke, I mean, he kind of is what we thought he was at the end of the day, right? I mean,
0: I guess not,
1: but... (sighs) 15 to 22, 154 yards. It kind of kind of is what it is at the end of the day. Uh, I don't know. The Broncos are just kind of, they win when Teddy Bridgewater's in there, but who the hell can actually win with Drew Locke, right?
0: Yeah, uh, another team I feel that has some problems with the quarterback is the Bears as well. I mean, I feel like maybe Nick Foles would be an upgrade to Drew Locke, but he's still not a great option. He had the one postseason that will forever be his legacy but it's no secret that he is a subpar quarterback who he's got a
1: massive schlong though he'll always have that
0: right right i mean big dick nick right uh it was enough like to like that, be that the big seahawks. blue guy
1: in watchman
0: right that being said though when the bears win i feel everybody loses i mean the seahawks lost for sure and now they are out of contention for the playoffs officially and also i mean fuck the bears right
1: I will say, though, on the Seahawks' side, they're, they're not going to the playoffs. Play ho- yeah, they're not going to the playoffs. They're, their team fucking sucks. But, uh, hey, they found Rashad Penny after all this time in the season. I feel like he's really come on towards the end here, and maybe he can give you something in, in seasons after this. Um, I'm not sure where the uh, the starter was. His name escapes me. He's a guy that went to Texas A&M, and he's a fucking monster. Yeah, Chris Carson. Uh, I'm not sure what happened to him. I think he got a, a neck injury. But at the end of the day, Rashad Penny, I think you drafted him first round a couple years ago. Might finally be getting productive, but uh, hey, congrats, Bears. Your draft position isn't as good. Still probably not going to make it to the playoffs. I think everyone wins here, right?
0: Right, right. As far as the Steelers versus Chiefs, this game went about as we expected. The Chiefs just Sticks. stomped the Steelers right. I mean, the Chiefs are, no surprise, a good team. Uh, they pretty much had their way the entire time. Pat Mahomes had over 250 yards. He had... A- 75 percent completion rate um i do think that as far as the chiefs are concerned clyde edwards elair can probably be labeled as maybe not necessarily a bust because he did have one good season He's underperformed
1: for his draft position i
0: think and i will say even as an lsu fan i remember texting you about this i was shocked that he went in the first round I love Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He was great for LSU all those years that he was playing, but I knew he is not the type of running back that you are going to be able to give a big load and expect to be productive. He's much more of a uh, supporting running back who you dump to the flats and have a little bit of change of pace with.
1: Exactly. He's he's one of those uh, classic Tom Brady scatbacks, like a a Gio Bernard, a James White type of player. So, I mean... He's one of those guys, I don't know if he was ever really like used properly in the Andy Reid offense, which quite frankly is shocking to me given Andy Reid's proclivity for throwing screens. Uh, I guess that just never materialized there, but with CEH out with the with the collarbone injury in this game, I feel like they really stumbled onto something with Derek Gore and Darryl Williams. Uh, with both of those guys, I mean, they combined for 189 total yards. They were productive through the air and on the ground. And I feel like even with Ceh healthy, they shoot. They showed enough in this game against that that defensive line with I think probably two Hall of Famers in in Watt and Hayward, uh, really just tearing them apart. I feel like you got to ride with the hot hands down the stretch here going into the playoffs.
0: I do say that, but um, without getting too semantic-y about it, I do think Ceh is a better option than Daryl Williams. They were drafted in the same class. They've been together pretty much the entire time, and he has pretty consistently outperformed him. But Derek Gore is looking to be really good, just the next in a line of great Gore backs, right? I don't think he's actually related to Frank Gore. I don't think think. so, yeah. Yeah, I mean... I think Frank Gore's son is currently a... for that.
1: Yeah, I think Frank Gore's son is currently a sophomore, junior at Southern Mississippi. Yeah, I know they're not related. I looked it up before.
0: (laughs) As for the Steelers, though... They're still in the playoff hunt, though. I mean, that tie is going to make things spicy. <laughs> Jesus. Let's go ahead and get to Sunday Night Football, though. On the NFC side, we have Washington versus the Cowboys. I think it's pretty safe to say Yikes. that Washington's playoffs hopes are pretty dead in the water. Uh, they are technically in, but they have the worst record of every team that is still possibly able to get into the playoffs. And the Cowboys just... The Lord, and the Cowboys, like I said earlier, might be one of the most complete teams in the NFL right now.
1: Yeah, I think we both kind of thought this game was going to be a a bit of a stinker, but uh, I'm not sure we expected the Cowboys to win by 40. Um, This was was like a beatdown of all beatdowns, like the type of blowout that you usually do not see at the NFL level. I mean, it was so bad that Cooper Rush was in by the end of the third quarter, And he threw three passes for 70 yards. If you're doing the math at home, ladies and gentlemen, that is over 23 yards per attempt. Um, Yeah, this was just a beatdown from start to finish. And this is basically what you can expect when the Cowboys are firing on full cylinders. I mean, when Dak is playing well, when the running backs are combining for really solid production, I mean, with that defense, you don't need a whole lot on offense. And they have one of the best offenses in the entire league I talked about it earlier but this is really the one team that I think the Packers do not want to see in the playoffs because the defensive side absolutely nasty they can stop them at times on the offense they have two backs that they can really really do some damage for you so it's one of those things where man I really hope that they get beat by somebody else if you're a uh, Packers fan
0: yeah and you didn't even mention Trayvon Diggs and Micah Parsons, who are having outstanding years. I mean, Trayvon Diggs just tied the single-season franchise record with his 11th interception of the year. Can still inch closer to maybe breaking that record, but I think he's going to need four interceptions to hold the record by his own in two games, which it's pretty unrealistic. As for Micah Parsons, though, 13 sacks in your rookie year with two games to go. Still pretty damn good. He's probably the defensive rookie of the year. Doesn't even need mm. to play the next two games. And the future is bright for that defense after having such a laugher of a defense during the Romo years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's a he's a piece that really changes the defense. I mean, he's a guy that it's not very, I mean, you never actually see a guy that can both rush the passer at an elite level with his 13 sacks while also not being a liability in coverage. He's actually a fairly solid cover linebacker for a rookie. So, I mean, he's a he's a piece that can absolutely cover up all sorts of holes in the defense and just make it so everyone can just play their game. And and, and, I mean, you saw it with DeMarcus Lawrence. I think he's really saying like, hey, I've, I've been injured this whole time, but I'm still here. Randy Gregory came on, but I'm still on this team. He got a pick six in this one, and I think this is just one of those where once it started getting going, I think everyone just wanted to hop on the pile and start piling on. This is one of those where you just bury the tape for the Washington football team.
0: Let's go ahead and get into our final game, Monday Night Football, Dolphins versus Saints. This was an ugly fucking game. I mean, Ian Book threw an interception – That turned into a pick six on the very first snap. In his defense, it did get tipped, but also the arm strength is clearly not there because that was one of the ugliest throws I had seen coming out of his hand. It didn't look right at all, and the tip just led it to be a sitting duck. Uh, It's probably pretty safe to say that Ian Book is not the future, at least right now. The Saints probably should look for a first-round pick. Uh, the Dolphins though are actually in the playoffs if the season ends right now. They are eight and seven. They do have to play the Patriots, which a uh, really fun anecdote if the Patriots lose out and the Dolphins win out, they will be tied with 10 wins and the Dolphins will actually be a higher seed because they swept the Patriots. You think that's where that's we were gone with a one in seven start? No, I thought we were
1: on the way to a top five pick. I mean, it's absolutely insane what the Dolphins have done this year. And the fact that they started off the season one and seven with that one win being against the Patriots is like one of the more hilarious things about this whole season where it's like from You're the right. very beginning, they've just been a fluky, weird fucking team all year. And did they steal that that game against the Patriots on the road? Or are they going to have it a, was, a home game?
0: It was on the road. 16-14, oh, something like that. It was a close game. So they got a,
1: they have a real shot of actually sweeping the Patriots this year and getting a playoff spot. And honestly, it's one of the more confusing things I've ever seen, but I don't hate it. I will say on Ian, Ian Book's behalf, though, um, in a league where all DBs run four 640s, I think he would thrive. But, uh, yeah, that arm strength just uh, not going to cut it at this level. I think you could see it at the college level. And it really demonstrated itself pretty clearly on the NFL level that, I mean, he's just not got the juice in that arm to really uh, stay up here.
0: Yeah. In his defense, the Saints have one of the worst offenses in the league right now, Um, especially since three starting offensive linemen are out. We have never had a wide receiver one in this season. Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram just can't do everything. They were decent. Um, and it showed with eight sacks on Ian Book, which is just crazy. I do want to give props to Cam Jordan. That man's still going strong. He's one of probably one of the greatest defensive linemen the Saints have ever had. He's over 100 sacks for his career. He added two more in this game. I believe only Ricky Jackson has more for the uh, his career for the Saints so he's going to go down as a Hall of Famer probably when it's all said and done, but he was pretty much the only bright spot for the Saints. The Dolphins just completely dominated this game from start to finish, 20-3. to
1: Yeah, absolutely. Got to feel good for the uh, the Dolphins at the end of the day there, but uh, yeah, Cam Jordan, one of those guys that he's been kind of quiet throughout his career, but really been one of the best pass rushers, really consistent, really since he's come to town, so I mean... He's a guy that you always want to cheer for, a guy that's got a little bit of nastiness to him as well. So, I mean, I cheer for him at the end of the day more than anyone else. You know, Well, maybe not more than you.
0: (laughs) He is going to the Pro Bowl, too. He's one of, I think, three Pro Bowlers that the Saints have between him, Marshawn Lattimore, and JT Gray, who is a special teams uh, returner who's been pretty good. Let's go ahead and get into the Pro Bowl with that. Um, the rosters were announced. We're not like super big fans of the Pro Bowl. I don't even know if I'm going to watch it, but we do like Um, to look at the rosters because at the end of the day, it's respect, respect, right? As far as snubs are concerned, you alluded to it earlier. I'm a bit perplexed why Lamar Jackson is in and not Joe Burrow. I feel even Justin Herbert probably should have been in over him. I feel like it's just because Lamar Jackson's fun to watch that he got in. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think that's probably the reason. I think Lamar Jackson's probably a little bit more popular. Also, I mean, he's basically just been carrying the lifeless husk of the Ravens team the entire season. So that's probably garnered a lot of votes there. But Joe Burrow, he is the best QB in that division. And obviously Lamar is a Wait, you're saying over Big Ben? Yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, it's it's really close. I feel like Big Ben, ever since he stopped smacking his baloney around, he's really come around as a QB. I think Tommy John really hasn't hurt him at all at the end of the day here. But, uh, yeah, D- Joe Burrow is the best QB in that division. It really should have been him in the Pro Bowl. I do feel like one of those QBs is probably going to drop out, probably going to slide in there. i got to highlight my guy, though, Eric Kendricks. I mean, he's a guy that's been the glue that's held – I mean, the Vikings haven't been awesome this season, but he's been the one bright spot the entire time. And he's turned the ball over. He's done basically everything. He's still one of the best cover linebackers in the league. I just think it's a damn shame that he wasn't able to make it, though I understand it's a pretty uh, pretty stacked roster out there.
0: Yeah. As far as Cordero Patterson, a guy who used to be on the Vikings, was drafted by the Vikings. He's yeah. a guy that we've enjoyed watching the resurgence of. I feel like it makes sense that he's not in when you've got what I think it's like Dalvin cook, Alvin Kamara. And I can't remember who the third running back is, but it's, it's someone who's pretty new to the scene in the NFC. Um, But I feel like the way that he's going to get in is you kind of have to start making a new role for people like him, like maybe like some kind of flex role like they have in fantasy football. That way you could put like Cordero Patterson there. You could put like Debo Samuel in there. You could put Taysom Hill in there. The players who don't necessarily stick to one role, but are still dynamic offensive performers. I mean, Tyron Matthew on the opposite side, he's listed as a safety, which is where he got his Pro Bowl slot. But he's another one of those players on the defensive side who I feel could be in a flex spot because he can play pretty much any defensive back role.
1: Yeah, and I feel like it's one of those things where they, I feel like they really do have to bring in more of a flex thing. Oh, yeah, the other one is James Conner, which honestly yeah. I feel like you could probably bump out James Conner if you really wanted to. But... The Cardinals
0: are better, though. I think that's why yeah. I generally go with a better team when you're choosing Pro Bowls.
1: I mean, on on to happiness at the end of the day. Um, the, the good players, the players that actually made it onto the roster, not that any of these players are bad. That's probably, probably bad, bad phrasing, but, uh, there was a lot of really, really standout players. Uh, Trevon Diggs, Trayvon Diggs, uh, 11 interceptions on the year. I think he was the number one corner. Also, uh, Stefan Diggs on the other side. So they might actually match up against each other in this one.
0: Yeah. That's one that we were talking about. We'd be excited to see shit. Maybe. Maybe they'll meet in a Super Bowl against each other too. That would be fucking awesome. Um, We also have Jamar Chase and Micah Parsons starting in a Pro Bowl, not even just attending, but starting. So I think that pretty much cements them as rookies of the year. Props to them. They've both been great. I think Jamar Chase is about to break the record for most receiving yards by a rookie. I know he definitely broke it for. I know it's Randy um,
1: Moss's record. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I know he broke the touchdown record or something
0: which he's pretty close to. I think he's got like 12 or 13 hundred. I mean, he's got one extra game. Micah Parsons is probably going to break the sack record if he hasn't already. But props to them for uh, showing some rep for the rookies. Uh, As far as the playoffs are concerned, however, it seems pretty clear. I mean, eight teams have been eliminated. Three teams just joined them this week. The Panthers by losing to the Buccaneers. The Seahawks by losing to the Bears. And the Bears, by, well, being bad. <laughs> so, kind of funny that, like, the Bears win and they still get eliminated. Like, that's got to feel bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: a very, that is a very Bears way to, yeah. uh, to have things end up at the end of the day. Hell, I wouldn't even be surprised if they just kept Na- Matt Nagy at the end of the day. I mean, I would be a little bit shocked, but, at the you know, it, it's one of those things where, uh, I mean, the Bears have kept him so much longer already than I thought they would. So, I mean, if they kept him for a little bit longer, I wouldn't be completely shocked. But I'm just shocked that the Vikings are honestly still in the hunt here. I thought we were just completely out of it. I mean, even if we get in, I feel like we're, we're basically out. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, it's it's a four-horse race. I mean, the 49ers have the sixth spot. Uh, they did lose, so that opens the door a little bit. But the Eagles did win, so... That does raise the floor as far as the NFC is concerned. Um, The Washington is still technically in, but they lose the head-to-head against the Eagles and the Saints, so that doesn't look good for them. The Saints are basically out because they lose the head-to-head to to the Eagles. Right now, they lose the head-to-head to the Falcons, but do play them. The Vikings, I think, are a game back of the Eagles, so... They can technically still make it in, but they definitely face an uphill battle there.
1: I'll tell you what though, looking at possible matchups in the playoffs, I mean, watch out for that Eagles team. If they go into Lambeau, they might, they might shock the Packers if they got out to an early lead. Cause that is a team yeah. that can front run, front run like a son of a bitch with the way they run the ball. And I mean, the Packers have shown in the past and really you just saw it really this past week, they're porous on the ground at times. And if, if you can get a lead on them and you can run the ball, I mean, the the Packers could be shocked this year. And that's a team that could give them a lot of trouble for sure, I think.
0: But yeah, they'll probably have to beat the Cowboys, if I had to guess, to get in. So, you know, anything goes in a third game. I mean, just last year, the Saints swept the series against the Bucs in a regular season. And then the Bucs ended up winning the third game. So anything goes as far as the AFC is concerned, though, it's much more open as uh, five teams have actually clinched a spot in the NFC. Only one team has clinched a spot in the AFC. The Titans basically have clinched it, but I think they just need like one more loss or a win. Um, the big question is really going to be that number seven spot right now. The Dolphins have it. As we said earlier, they could even drop the Pats. Below them, if they win two games, and I think actually the Pats might only need to lose one game being to the Dolphins, uh, so that's even easier for the Dolphins to get in. Um, but the number seven seed, I mean, you've got the Dolphins, the Ravens, the Chargers, the Raiders, even the Steelers are in, which makes things a little wonky because they have the tie. None of those teams really inspire confidence in me the way that the Eagles do, honestly.
1: Honestly, at this point, at this juncture, I, I I have no idea what's going to happen as far as playoff matchups, who I even expect to win. So I just want the Dolphins to get in there because I feel like we've seen teams like this before. Like I mean, just thinking off the top of my head, the the last Giants team to win it that was came from a six seed. Really, they were I think like one and six at one point in the season, pretty similar to this uh, this Dolphins team. I'm hoping for some sort of miracle like that, even though in my heart of hearts, I know that the Dolphins really aren't that good of a team. But I do want to see them shock somebody, really go into somebody's house and and beat a playoff team, because I just feel like it would piss off the national media so much.
0: Uh, The Browns and Broncos are also technically still in, but just like the Washington football team and the Saints, they're basically out of it, I think. A loss for either of them or a win by very select teams will knock them out. So, I wouldn't hold your breath if you're a Denver or Cleveland fan. With that, let's go ahead and get into our Week 17 Quick Picks. The first year that this is not the final season of our Quick Picks. As a quick recap, we actually both did pretty well. I went 6-2, Caleb went 5-3. The only discrepancy was I picked the Bills to beat the Patriots and Caleb picked the Patriots. So... With two weeks to go, the spread is four games. You got four games to make up, Caleb. I, uh, I'm feeling pretty good now. I, I was a little worried. I had a little bit of negative momentum. You had some good momentum going, but I uh, I think we righted the ship to where it should be.
1: Yeah, whatever, man. I mean,
0: <laughs> Let's it, go. It on. is what
1: it is, man. It, I'm, <laughs> fucking, I'm not happy about it. Just we're, we're here, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Let's go ahead and uh, get into the quick picks. We've got the Rams versus the Ravens. I'm taking the Rams in this one. They've got a better team top to bottom. The Ravens are banged the fuck up. And even when Matt Stafford's bad, they seem to win.
1: Uh, Yeah, give the Ravens a puncher's chance in the bank down there in Baltimore. Uh, But uh, the Rams should come in and win this one, especially with OBJ coming on the way he has, I think, Four TDs in the six games he's had with the Rams. So, yeah, I like the Rams in this one as well.
0: For the Dolphins and Titans, a big one to determine some seeding for the AFC. I'm taking the Titans in this one. I turned my back on them last week. Uh, The Dolphins are a really spicy team. They might be one of the scariest teams to face in the AFC right now. But they do have to lose eventually, and I think this might be the week.
1: Yeah, I feel like the Titans... They don't really like, they don't, they don't play pretty games, but they just find ways to win at the end of the day. They just find a way to survive, and they're at home in this one. They got my boy Jeffrey Simmons on the other side that's going to clog up the, uh, the middle there. I just feel like the Titans are going to find a way to win this one. Not sure how, but I feel like they're going to eke this out.
0: For our final one o'clock game of our picks, we've got Chiefs versus Bengals. This is a good one to determine some of the top of the AFC as. The Bengals currently hold the AFC North Divisional lead, but they are a couple games back of the Chiefs. I am picking the Bengals in this one. They are at home. They're a spicy team. Joe Burrow's going to pass for another 500 yards, and it's going to be a fun one.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, I feel like uh, I got the Chiefs in this one. They're an absolute juggernaut. They're back. I think Spags is going to blitz the absolute shit out of Joe Burrow. I love the guy, but... Still young at the end of the day, so I feel like he's gonna throw him off the uh, throw throw him off his balance just enough for that Chiefs offense to just run away with this one. I don't know if they'll actually like pull away necessarily, but I do think the Chiefs win this.
0: In our four o'clock games, we've got Broncos versus Chargers. This one is gonna help decide a spot as both of these teams are still jockeying for that seven seed. I am going to take the Chargers in this one though. The Broncos just don't have any offense. Even when Teddy's in, they don't have any offense. It's a quote-unquote home game for the Chargers. Ideally, Mike Williams and Austin Eckler will be back, so that will bring some firepower back to the offense, and I think they'll win.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I just – the Chargers just lost to the Texans. I mean, it. it's hard for me to, to trust them at this point. That being said – my pick is really entirely dependent on, on Teddy's status. If he doesn't play, I'm going with the Chargers. If he does play, I'm going with the Broncos. So, right now, no, whatever Teddy's status is, you know my pick.
0: So, for the Panthers versus Saints, I'm picking Saints. I really hope that the Saints win this one. They should win this one. They have a better coach. They have a way better defense and the Panthers just got absolutely blown out by the Buccaneers after the Saints planked them. So I'm feeling pretty good about it even with the embarrassing loss this past week.
1: Yep. These are uh this is big uh fist fight in the funeral, not the funeral home. Fist fight in the nursing home vibes in this one. Uh not not a great offensive matchup between the Panthers and the Saints, but uh, the Saints are just a, a better defensive team and well, I mean their offense isn't great, but I feel like well who the hell even knows what they'll have in a QB? Hopefully, I feel like hopefully
0: Taysom Hill team. comes back, especially with the mandate yeah. changing. Hopefully he's back. He was out with COVID, for those who didn't know.
1: Exactly, yeah. And if Taysom Hill is back, I feel like he's better than basically anything that the Panthers have. So, yeah, the Saints should win this one at the other day.
0: Cardinals versus Cowboys might be game of the week. I, I don't have any faith in the Cardinals, though. I'm taking the Cowboys. I've said it all podcast long. The, car, the Cowboys are one of the most complete teams in the NFL, and are I would say they're the second best team in the NFL right now.
1: Yeah, game of the week on paper, but uh, I think the Cowboys are going to clap those cheeks in this one. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like they just have a more complete team. That defense is going to eat the Cardinals' offense alive, I think, and the Cowboys' offense is going to just run up the score on them. I think that the Cowboys end up winning big.
0: For our primetime games, we've got Sunday night football, Vikings versus the Packers. And we picked the Vikings to win last time, but unfortunately, I think we're in the same boat. The Packers are going to win this, right?
1: Yeah, they, they stole their one for the season at home. Uh, going into Lambeau late in the season, uh, Rodgers is playing for home field advantage. Uh, yeah, this is the Packers are going to win this one. I don't know if they're going to win big, but they're going to find a way to win this one pretty much no matter what, I think.
0: And for our final quick pick, we've got Browns versus Steelers, a classic AFC North matchup that isn't really going to determine a whole lot as far as season is nah. concerned. I am going to take the Steelers. They're at home. The Browns aren't convincing. Mayfield just threw four picks. The Steelers at least have a solid pass rush, which I think is going to confound them and hopefully stop Nick Chubb.
1: I mean, two injury-played QBs. Um not not really a, a great offensive matchup again, but you're going to get a lot of Nick Chubb in this one, I bet. So I'm taking the Browns. Um, Steelers, just, just not awesome this year. I mean, they're at home, but I feel like the Browns overall, just a better team. So give me the Browns.
0: All right. Well, that about does it. Uh, a little bit longer of an episode for y'all. I know uh, it's been a hectic week, hopefully. You guys enjoy this one as we head into New Year's weekend. So the next time we have a podcast for y'all, it will officially be 2022. Any uh, final words from you, Caleb?
1: Yeah, all right, you sexy motherfuckers. That's
0: all. If you enjoyed
1: the episode, uh, subscribe, leave a five-star rating so we can grow this bad boy. If you didn't, I mean, leave, expand this from your memory and leave a five-star rating or uh, I'll find you. I'll find you. Uh, we put out episodes twice a week. Right now, we're uh, recapping the previous week on Tuesdays, uh, previewing the next week on Thursdays. Right now, it's a little bit hectic. We did a little bit of an, an old-school NFL episode this time around, just with the holiday schedule. We'll be getting back to a, uh, a more usual schedule going forward with that. Uh, college football playoff and bowl coverage, I think we're gonna, we'll have a bunch of that uh, next Thursday, if I had to imagine. Uh, more on that coming forward, especially coming into the, uh, the national championship coming up here. But uh, follow us on Twitter at Caleb Berzak, at Zachary W. Mullen. Links will be in the description for that. Uh, Want to contact the show? Send us an email at uh, unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. Just uh, first word in the subject line, all caps, either business or show. Uh, just kind of specify your purpose there um outside of that thank you so much for uh tuning in to unqualified analysis and as always we have no idea what we're talking about uh i'm gonna go well ride my bike to the beach or something i don't know do some florida shit